your Bibles to James chapter 1. James 1 is where we're going to be tonight. I, I do want to let you know something. Tonight is the last night of live for the year. Tonight's the last night. I know, I know, but good news is we're going to start back in January and uh, it's going to be awesome. But tonight is the last night. What an awesome way to go out. Incredible worship. You guys are so awesome. I love, again, watching you guys worship from over there. It's incredible. But we have been in a series, if you haven't been here, maybe you haven't paid attention, all right, we've been in a series called Scars. And uh, I've totally enjoyed it. Three of my closest friends, people that I work with, they have gotten up here and they have shared with you guys about how God changed their life. They share with you through a video their scar. And their scar was the person they were before Christ changed them before he changed them and made them who they are today. And today, they're living for the Lord. It's pretty evident. But there were, there were some awesome testimonies these last couple of weeks that you guys have heard through this series. Tonight, tonight the, the series ends. Tonight, the Scars series ends. And I, I was going to do the same thing, honestly, to, to be honest with you guys. I was going to do the same thing those three did. I was going to get up here. You're going to see a video. It was prepared. It was ready to go about me and, and the scar that I have in my life from who I was before Christ saved me and changed me. But that changed, the plan changed about a month ago. Some of you know, but on October 15th, it was a Thursday, I was involved in a major car accident, a very serious car accident. And I remember that day very vividly I can remember almost every detail. I, th- I th- honestly think about it all the time. And it's hard for me to talk about. But it was, a, it was a Thursday afternoon, early evening. I was heading home. I left work. I just talked to my wife on the phone. And honestly, it gives me chills to this day to think that could have been the last time I talked to Erica. But I told her, I'm, I'm coming home. And she was about to leave soon. And I said, I love you. Be careful. And I head home, we live uh, near Katie Mills, so I was heading that direction on I-10. And uh, traffic, 5 o'clock, cars everywhere. Before I knew it, I was going 65 miles an hour into the back of a car. And honestly, those two seconds that I had were the craziest Two seconds of my life. The two seconds I had to make a decision to stop, to slow down. And before I knew it, the airbag had come out. There was blood everywhere. And I don't know, hopefully you guys haven't been in too many accidents. But if you have been in a serious accident, one of the craziest things was the smell. The smell of, of the, the metal colliding together. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the smell of the tires coming to a screeching halt. But the smell still terrifies me today. And in that moment, I honestly didn't know how to respond. I was kind of in shock. Like I said, there was blood everywhere without being too graphic. I got out of the car and I began to check myself for where injuries might be because I, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I knew I was in pain. I knew there was blood. My nose uh, was bleeding from, from the airbag. My arm, uh, I had a, a pretty bad burn 
on my arm right here. It's kind of healed a little bit, but I had a, a burn on my arm from the airbag. My leg was sore, my right leg. But the worst injury was my hand. We, we don't know what happened. It was cut somehow. I've got plenty of pictures I'm not going to show you guys because it would not be good. But my hand was cut in several places. And so I figured that's where the blood was coming from. I figured that out. And so I took my shirt off to wrap my hand because of the blood that was coming out. It was the only thing I knew to do. Because it literally wouldn't stop bleeding. And so I wrapped my hand and my next move if you will, was to go into to see if the people in the car in front of me were okay because I was really concerned about them. And then so I go to the car in front of me and one lady who was the passenger, she was, she was hurt. The other girl in the driver's seat, or excuse me, in the, the passenger, the driver was hurt. The passenger, she was probably in her early 20s, she was screaming and she wouldn't stop. I tried to talk with her, tried to communicate with her, couldn't really get anything from her. And then I realized I've got to call my wife, the person I just talked to about 10 minutes ago. I've got to call her now and tell her that her husband has been in an accident. And so I, I really can't find my phone. I know it's in my car somewhere, but I'm not going to go back over there. I just don't really want to see it at this point. And so I borrow someone else's phone who was also in the accident, and I call Erica. And the conversation went like this. Erica, I've been in an accident. And I could hear the trembling in her voice. She said, is it bad? I said, yes. She said, are you okay? I said, no. Because I knew I was in pain. I didn't know how bad my hand was going to be. So she hung up and she said, I'm on my way. And she was closer to downtown Houston. It was going to take her a while to get to me. And so I knew at that moment that I was alone. I knew that I was alone. I, I, I couldn't call anybody. It was just me there. Nobody was really talking to me. And so I just sat down on the ground right there on the asphalt on I-10. And I just prayed, honestly. And I could hear the sirens of, of the ambulance and, and the fire truck and the police cars come closer and closer. It seemed like it took them forever to get there. And finally, I felt a paramedic grab me. Seemed like forever, maybe 10 minutes. She grabbed me and she pulled me into the ambulance. She took the, the shirt off my hand and said, yeah, that's pretty bad. You're going to have to get that looked at. And I said, yeah, you're right. And she wrapped it. And then I just waited. They took the other lady to the hospital. She needed serious help. And she's okay today. But they took her immediately. And I waited around. I was going to have a fireman take me to the hospital. And about that time, I look over to my, my left. And I see Michael Head and Evan Holbrook. And it was like the best feeling uh, almost I've ever felt in my life. Because I was so alone, I was so by myself, and there they were. Someone had seen me, someone had called Michael and told him, hey, you know, I think Seth's been in an accident. And so they, they quickly came and all the other staff guys met me at the hospital. But Michael and Evan were there. And I remember, I, I literally had no control over my emotion, over my body. I was trembling, I was sweating, crying. a little bit lightheaded, and I walked over to Michael and Evan, and I just started sobbing. And I remember them putting their hands on me, and Michael prayed for me. And then he was ready to get me to the hospital, 
all he cared about was taking me to the hospital. And finally the policeman let me go and I got in his car and we drove to the hospital. That moment was a moment I'll never forget. And we've got a picture of the scene of the accident. Michael actually took this from where he was standing. And this is after it's happened. Obviously my shirt's off. I used it to, to, to stop the bleeding. There's my car on, on the, the end of the tow truck as they're about to take it away. I'm getting some stuff out of the car. And if you can show my car what it looked like after. There's a picture. There it is. That's the inside of the car. Um, you can see the airbag came out. A little bit of blood in there. And then the outside of the car, it, it was destroyed. Very bad. Very serious. Tonight, we're going to talk about scars. We're not going to leave the series. We're going to talk about scars. Because you see, there are scars, not only that we receive when we become a Christian, a scar that depicts who we were before Christ saved us. A scar that tells an incredible testimony, an incredible story. But there are scars that come later in our life. Scars that come as we follow Christ. As we make our way through our Christian life. Some of you, you've been a Christian for a while. And you've gone through some trials as a Christian. And you've got some scars. Others of you, you just accepted Christ. You're a new Christian. And I'm just going to tell you, it gets harder. Life gets harder. Why? Because the enemy wants to attack you, and God wants to grow you, and we're going to talk about that. But let's look at James. This was kind of a, a verse, a passage that was with me these past couple of weeks. You've probably read this verse a hundred times. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Over the last few weeks as I've looked at this verse, I've been praying through it and reading through it over and over again. And I, I felt like over the last month that James was, was trying to say something here. Something that's not necessarily written there, but something you have to figure out as you read between the lines. You see, when you read scripture sometimes... You've got to do that. You've got to read between the lines to figure out what the Lord is saying there. And I'm not saying you add to it. I'm not saying you make stuff up. But when it comes to the Bible, you've got to look at the context, the scripture that's around it. You've got to look at what the author was saying, why he was saying it. And here, the, the word scar kept coming to my mind. Scar. Had nothing to do with the series. But we are in the series Scars. And I think... This is true. I would write this down if I were you. You cannot go through a trial, you cannot go through a trial without it leaving a scar. You see here, James talks about trials. That's obvious. Difficulties. Hard things in life. You will never go through a trial in your life, a difficult time in your life, without it leaving a scar, a mark, something there. You see, just like when you 
you, you, you receive a physical cut, right? I'm not talking like a paper cut, okay? But something big, right? I found out that the, the proper name for a cut is called a laceration. I never knew that until I was in the hospital. And they said it like 30 times. And I was like, why are you saying this word? They're like, that's the name for a cut. I said, oh, okay, I'm just dumb. But, but a laceration, a massive cut, when you get one of those on your body, it's going to heal over time because that's what your body does, but it's going to leave a scar. It's going to leave something there. You know, my hand, as most of you have seen it, I don't know if you guys can, can get a shot of this or not, but there's a, a pretty good scar on my hand. I, when I went to the hospital and I got into the hospital room finally, I knew it was going to be, it was going to be terrible, right? Because if you've ever had stitches, well, first I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I had to have surgery. I didn't know if my hand, you know, was broke. But eventually I found out I was going to have stitches. And when you get stitches or staples or whatever, you know, they've got to clean out the wound, right? And let's just be honest, doctors, really what they care about is keeping you alive. They don't care about the pain you may go through when they're helping you, right? And so this doctor, she didn't give a crap about me. She was pressing on that thing, she was putting salt water in that thing, and it hurt so bad. I was screaming. It was awesome. But it hurt. And after I got those 24 stitches and I went home, I kept telling myself, it's not going to scar, right? It's, it's not going to scar. It's going to be okay because I don't want to look like Frankenstein. All right, I don't want to walk around, people see my scar and be like, what's, what's wrong with you? Are you, like, what's wrong with your hand? Like, what's wrong with you? I didn't want that. And so I kept telling myself, well, this isn't going to scar, even though the doctor said, yes, it is. Finally, I realized I'm, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And in fact, it is leaving a scar. And I have tried everything in the books. I've tried uh, vitamin E. I've tried some really expensive stuff. I've tried uh, coconut oil. I, I prayed over it. Like, I've done everything, all right? And there's still a scar there, obviously. Like, there's a scar. Now, it may go away over time. I doubt it, all right, because this one right here on the top, it was really bad. Like, you could see my tendon. So it's probably not going to, exactly, that's why I didn't show a picture. It's not going to go away. Let's just be honest. You see, the accident left me with a massive scar on my hand. And here James is saying the same is true. When you go through a trial, when you go through a difficulty, much like I did, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to leave a scar. Notice one of, those, one of the words there. He says, when you meet trials. He doesn't say if. Truth there, you're going to go through trials. As a Christian, you can guarantee you're going to go through some difficult times in your life. It is what it is. You're going to go through difficult times. It's not if, it's when. And when you do, it's going to leave a mark behind. And what matters is how you see that scar, is how you view that scar. Because guess what? You're left with that for the rest of your life. We went home after a few hours in the emergency room. And honestly, the worst part of the whole experience wasn't the accident. It was the two days following, honestly. I couldn't use my left hand at all for the first day, really the first week. I couldn't use my hand at all. So Erica, my, my sweet wife, who is incredible, was doing everything for me. Treating me like a baby. All right. She, she was literally feeding me. All right. Because I'm left-handed. I can't eat. All right. She, she's like helping me walk. I don't know why I couldn't walk, but she's helping me walk. 
She's changing the TV for me. She's doing everything. She's like the best, all right. She was seriously incredible. But it got to a point where Saturday morning, this is a day and a half after the accident, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do something by myself. I am. Like, I, I, Erica, you've done a great job. You're awesome. Thank you. But I, I just want to do something for myself. You've done so much. And so one morning, I get up. She's asleep still. And I'm like, I'm going to make breakfast all by myself. Saturday morning. Let's go. So what do I do? I go in. I'm going to make boiled eggs. I love boiled eggs, all right. They smell weird, but they're good. I go in there. I get a pot. I get a pot. I put water in it. I put it on the stove. I put eggs in it. I turn it on. It worked. Successful. I did it. And then I walked away. Now, I fell asleep on the couch. And about 15 minutes later, I wake up to the sound of a fire alarm. Now, Fire alarms are the most annoying things in the world. So I've got a fire alarm going off, broke arm, all right, sore leg. I'm a little bit dazed still, no idea what's going on. I run over to the stove, and for some reason I want to grab this, this pot with my messed up hand. I don't know why I didn't use my right hand, but I use my left hand. And as I attempt to grab it, I realize I can't squeeze my hand, and the pot just flies off the stove. And boiling water lands on my legs. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And I scream bloody murder. Like I am screaming. My dog, her name is Daisy, she flew into a wall because I screamed so loud. It was actually, actually kind of funny. I kind of laughed and then I screamed again. And then I just got angry. I experienced like every emotion. And then I like fell on the ground. And I wish you guys could have seen me. I was on the ground in my kitchen with eggs in my hand crying <laughs> over my eggs. I was so upset that I could not make eggs. I was crying over eggs, honestly. You know what happened? It got to a point where everything that I was going through, not only the accident, not only the pain, not only the, the, the issue of only having one car, having to deal with insurance, Having Erica do everything for me, feeling helpless, I never felt helpless before. Never. I'm not used to people doing things for me. All of that bottled up and it boiled over. See what I did there? Boiled over. And it erupted in my life. And there I was, broken. And guys, I'm going to tell you that was one of the worst moments of my life. Right there on the floor in my kitchen. The next morning, you know, we, we kind of took care of things, cleaned up. I went to sleep, obviously, later on. I woke up the next morning, and my quiet time, I kid you not, was James chapter 1. I had planned on going into James on Sunday morning. I opened up my Bible before I come to church, James chapter 1. And boom, God hit me with count it all as joy. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this moment before, but I had a moment where I looked at the text, the scripture, and I'm like, I've read this a million times. I've like dissected this thing. I've, I've figured it out. I've, you know, mastered it. I've read it. All this stuff. I don't understand what he's saying right now. Count it all as joy. Like you want me to count this moment, this trial that I'm in as joy. Be excited about it. Be happy about it. You must be crazy. That's what I, that's what I said. That's what I thought. And then I thought about it a little bit more. 
And I studied it a little bit more, and I realized what James was saying there. James isn't saying, hey, go throw a party when you're going through a difficult time. It's not what he's saying there. He's saying, be thankful. Be thankful when you face trials of various kinds. And then God hit me across the face and was like, boom, be thankful. And I realized up until that point, my wife and I had a conversation that night because she had a breakdown also. It was hard on her just as it was on me. And we had a conversation that night, guys, and, and we said, we haven't been thankful. Like all we've done is look at the negatives. But not once have we looked at the positive. Not once have we looked at what God has done. Starting with, he kept me alive. He kept me alive. And we listed off about seven other things, seven other positives that God did through this situation. And then you know what we did? We literally thanked God out loud for that trial, for that situation, for the scar that I knew was going to be on my body, not only physically, but spiritually and mentally and emotionally. We thank God for that scar. Why? Because there were so many reasons we saw why God did this. And we're going to talk about that in just in a second. But my question is for you when is the last time you thank God for your scar? A lot of you guys have been through some serious stuff. Some serious stuff. And it's left some, some difficult scars. And when you see that in your life, whatever you've been through, you see that. It brings back all these memories. And maybe up until this point right now, you've been totally negative about that situation. But when's the last time you thank God for that scar? God, thank you for doing this. Thank you for this. Thank you that you did this. James goes on to say, he doesn't in there, he says, For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Why in the world would a loving God take you through difficult times? Why should you be thankful? Because of one word there. Produce. That's a weird word. I said it like 30 times earlier, because it was really weird. Produce, I just think it's a weird word, I don't really know why. Produce, say it 30 times, it'll be weird. Don't say it now, but later. Produce. That word there is so key. You see, God puts us through trials. He puts us through difficult situations that are for sure going to leave a mark on us, that are for sure going to leave a scar for the rest of our life so that he can produce good things in us. You see, God only creates good things. And when he wants to produce something in you, when he wants to create something in you, when he wants to do something in you, it's going to be something good. It says he wants to produce steadfastness so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know what that means, ultimately? He wants you to be like Christ. He wants you to be like Christ. There, there's a big phrase for that is simply spiritual maturity. I know it's kind of big, but, but what it means is growth. He wants you to grow. God wants you to grow in your relationship with him. And when you're in the midst of that situation, or maybe you're past it, and you've got that scar, I want you to think about why God did it and how he used it to grow your faith in him. He does it because he wants us, hopefully, to be like Christ. And though we're not going to be perfect while we're on the earth, it's not going to happen. One day we will be when we're in heaven. But our, our goal here is to strive to be like Christ. 
in this passage. And what he's saying is, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And there's only one person who's ever been perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jesus Christ. That's why God puts us through difficult situations. Sure, God is with us the entire time. He's there with us. He's protecting us. He's watching over. He's in control. But he does it for a reason. Because he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And your scar, the scar that's left, is the evidence of this. So what it comes down to, guys, ultimately, and this is right where I've been, honestly, for the last month, right here. You're going to look at your scar in two different ways. When you've been through the trial, you've dealt with that difficult situation, whatever it is in your life, you're going to look at it in two different ways. Number one, you're going to see that scar, and you're going to think, man, God hates me. Like, why would God put me through a situation like this? He must not love me because why does he want me to suffer? I, I talked with someone the other day who was literally planning on forgetting about God, not believing in him anymore because of what was going on in their life. And I want to tell you that's a mistake. That's not why God has given you that scar. The other way that you can look at your scar is you see that God loves you. You see a mark of God desiring good things for you, even though it may be difficult in the moment. He's looking out for you. He wants what's best for you. And that's the way you need to look at your scar. That's the way you need to look at the situation. I just got a brand new car. I love it so far. It's awesome. Every time I get in my car, I have a routine. I put my, uh, my phone on Bluetooth because I can do that now. It's awesome. Turn on some music. Now I put my hands on the steering wheel. You know what is the first thing that I see before I see the road? Before I even look out the windshield, the first thing that I see every single time I step in my car is this. That's what I see. I'm face to face with the reality that I have been in a major car accident. I could have lost my life. And instead of choosing to think about all the negative things, all of the hurt that it caused for me and my wife and our family and our situation, I think God loves me. Yes, that time was difficult, and I would never go through it again. But God took me through that for a reason. He took me through it for a reason, and he's taking you through it for a reason. Students, some of you here tonight, you are in the midst of it. Your scar is coming. You're in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your trial. And here's what I want to tell you to do. I want you to get in God's word like never before. I want you to pray like never before. I want you to take your relationship with him to another level. Because you're going to need it. And he's going to be with you through that situation. And those of you who've been through it, and you've got the scar, maybe 
you haven't been thankful. Maybe you looked at it the wrong way. But I want you to look at it differently tonight. For whatever that situation is, there's a ton of reasons why God put you there and put you through it. But ultimately, He wants the best for you. And He loves you. Some of you tonight, you don't have a scar. We talked about it for three weeks, four weeks now. You don't even have a scar. In fact, your life, honestly, is like an open wound, like my hand was. And it's just bleeding. And tonight you need to be healed. Tonight you need to be healed meaning you need Christ to change your life for the very first time. So no one looking around right now.